Welcome to Monday Morning Homilist. I'm Father Manny Alvarez. And I'm Jorge Santibanez. Every Monday morning, we dive deeper into the previous Sunday's readings and homilies. And towards the end, we veer off to talk about life and definitely talk a little sports. Enjoy. Good morning. Happy Monday. It's a glorious Monday. I am back. Jeez, he's back. I forgot I, you were gone last week. I'm sorry. I, survived, I survived the house of mouse. There you go. My it's bank a, account is somewhat still intact. <laughs> it's a glorious Monday, Jorge. You know why I had a dream last night? What was your dream, Father? I had a dream that our basketball team made it to the final four. Well, guess what, Father? It was no dream. How do you know? You didn't see the game. I, I saw the first half. Okay. I didn't see the first half. I saw the second half. I saw the I first half, mass. and then we were down 13. It's glorious. I, I, see, now you're just making me look bad. I didn't turn it off because I gave up hope. No, you, you were doing ministry. I was I was meeting were, with some people who are preparing for their sacraments, and, and you it's did that. very, very exciting. I was at Sports Grove. Um, <laughs> but I did have to celebrate Mass during the first half. And, and who did, made that schedule, Father? I did, but uh. I didn't know you were playing this. I also have, you know, I, you know, I have plans for for the rest of for Holy, but we'll talk about that in the second ha- in the second segment. But welcome to Passion Tide. It's Passion Tide. We should have all the crucifixes and all the and we statues. We shouldn't sound so happy right now, but <laughs> but no, you know, we can't be morose during all of Lent. This is this is a this is a big. I, I spoke about this on Thursday on the yeah. on the daily meditation that. You know, the old translation said, you give us this joyful time of Lent. Why is it joyful? Because mm-hmm. we are anticipating, yes, we're anticipating something big, something that's worth, you know, that, you know, that is worth our salvation. When somebody walks out of confession, which is what we're going to talk about today, you know, we expect them to be joyful. We expect yep. them to go out with joy, you know, like the woman in today's, in Monday's gospel, mm-hmm. saying, you know, go and sin no more. You know, so there should be a certain, you know, I guess, solemnity to these days decorum but it shouldn't be joyless okay i'm not saying to walk around with pots and pans on good friday (laughs) jesus died for our salvation i'm saying is let's you know let's not say okay let's not go over but for example your wife always brings her bring this up her birthday's when april 2nd i should have known that by heart okay it's on sunday so this year her birthday falls on palm sunday which is also called passion sunday Okay. Now, every once in a while, every once in a while, it falls on Good Friday, and she is still scarred by the times her mother, God bless her, your mother in law, is very strict when it comes to the exercise of our religion. No music in the house. No, no birthday cake. No birthday cake. (laughs) That still, your your (laughs) wife, who is turning, what, how old? She's turning somewhere around 29. Okay. She still is scarred by the no birthday cake. Now, I don't know how I would have dealt with that because I remember as a kid on Good Friday, FM 92, which I don't know if it exists anymore, FM 92, which yeah. was a Spanish radio station, music station, and they would play the pop music and play Seria Cruz and all that. On that day, would play exclusively Christian music. So my oh, dad wow. would put it on in the house on Good Friday. And I thought that was, okay, cool. And we'd have arroz y huevo frito, fried rice and, and fried, I mean, uh, fried, fried eggs and white rice yeah. for... Uh, for um, for dinner, which was, it's Good Friday. That was Good Friday for us. And so there shouldn't be a, uh, it's passion tied. Our focus should be mainly on the cross, but doesn't mean that we 
you know, put on, you know, black, says the man wearing black right now, <laughs> you know, that we should put on black and, and mourn over the next two weeks as until we get to Easter Sunday. It's just, it's just using common sense. Yep. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's just, it's, um, we just had our staff meeting, so I, I did a little, a little thing on Passion Tide just to, to kind of get us in the spirit. Of, and, and the text says, you know, it's a somber period, you know, a solemn, a, a, a solemn period of, of, um, you know, really refocusing ourselves on the passion. You know, and Father Andrew mentioned it in the homily, you know, the, the first several weeks are pointing to different aspects of, of who Jesus is. But now, as we enter, the fifth Sunday of Lent and, and enter into Passion Tide, approach Palm Sunday, Holy Week. Now our attention really turns to you know, his entrance into Jerusalem, his passion, his death, and ultimately his resurrection. So it's it's really this intense focus on the cross that we're going to have for these next uh, what's this thirteen days, you know, leading up to Easter. Yes. So yesterday we had the parable of the raising of uh, not the parable actually the miracle of the raising of Lazarus. I'm thinking parable of Lazarus and the rich man, two totally different people and two totally different stories. Um, so I focused on, like I did last week, on confession again because I had a different masses, I had a different audience. Right. And by the way, I had I had nine a.m. mass, you know, which is the kids. You know, we had the first graders, and then I had five thirty mass. And five thirty mass, boy, was it really affected by the UM playing during that game. I, I think I don't I mean I think there were more people there on Super Bowl Sunday. Oh wow. <laughs> that's how that's how crazy we were yesterday. But no, but there was, was still it was still a decent crowd, but not the usual, you know, crowd that we get at five thirty. So there was a couple of things that jumped out at me, and I mentioned it yesterday in the in the daily meditation podcast on on Sunday. Um there's this image that jumped out at me of and I've read this I don't know how many times that at the beginning of the gospel, they go up to Jesus and say, the, the one who you love is ill. Now, outside, and then later on it says, you know, Jesus loved Lazarus and his sister Martha, you know, Martha and, and Mary, who was the one who anointed his feet. Uh, outside of St. John himself, and it was St. John who wrote this, uh, with the disciple whom Jesus loved, there really isn't mention of Jesus outside of the twelve, you know, saying, these are my friends. These right. are really mm -hmm. close friends of mine. These are people that I hang out with. These are people that I love. So this is what prompts Jesus to tears, you know, moves Jesus to tears. So taking that, I asked, I asked you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking when I'm preparing the children's homily, okay, how do you know, how do you talk about death? You know, I'm raised from the dead. I'm talking to first graders. But the first graders are with it. Yep. Okay. Probably more than most adults. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I would say. So I asked, I start off with the first graders, with a very simple question we take for granted. I asked the first graders, does Jesus love you? Well, obviously all of them said in unity, yes. Okay, great. How do you know that Jesus loves you? So I'll start raising their hands. First little girl raises her hand and says, because he died on the cross for us. First grade. I'm like, whoa, okay, here we go. There it, there it is. There it is right there. <laughs> and then I said, there was a little, another little, uh, little boy who started going off on, you know, because it was a miracle and because, he, you know, actually it was later on in the homily when I talked about, you know, the tomb and the, rolling away the stone that was very heavy. And he goes, and he raises his hand. He goes, yeah, it was a miracle because, you know, the, the stone was rolled away and then there's this lady that came, you know, with gifts and, and Jesus was there. I'm like, okay, you're getting ahead of yourself to the resurrection. <laughs> spoiler alert. You know, we don't spoil it for the people that are waiting to see what happens in two weeks. So 
but that's why when you talk to the kids, they bring so much wisdom to them because more than one kid made, when I said, how do we know that Jesus loves us, made mention somehow of the passion, made mention he died for us or he rose for us. Okay, he did this for us. And I'm like, okay, cool. First graders know well, know well what our faith is, mm-hmm. even in first grade. So I got into them and I, I said, well, what, you know, all right, so you're in first grade. You're about to finish first grade. And next year you go to second grade. And what is the big sacrament you prepare for? What, what's the biggest thing? And I didn't say sacrament. What's the biggest thing you prepare for next year? And I'm excited for them to say first communion. The one little girl, immediately before anybody says confession. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, we're in the spirit of the season then. We're, this is what we want to talk about. Kudos to our first grade teachers. Then. No, kudos to our first grade <laughs> Absolutely. And so I did something I've never done before as a, as a preacher. I said, yeah, I go and, and next year you're going to have this joyful occasion, again, joyful, mm-hmm. that you get to go before Jesus and in and, and, and the person of the priest and say, these are the things I've done wrong and Jesus is going to forgive you. Now, you can't do that yet until next year. So we need to ask, your, your parents and adults, you know, so I need, so I need you, what you need to do is like, they're all facing me in the altar. I said, turn around and tell the adults in the, in, in the congregation, go to confession. One, two, three, go to confession. Nice. And I, and I'm there with a, with a very proud look on my face saying, yes, I'm using, yep. <laughs> using the children to use my dirty work, you know, but that is something that's so important these last two weeks. And you mentioned it in the meditation you gave this morning to the staff that, you know, have we made a good confession? And if you haven't, go on our website to the pastor's column or to the bulletin, and there's an examination of conscience there so that we can make a good confession during this Lent, before Lent ends on Holy Thursday. Yeah, so, you know, we met with, like you, like you, like we both mentioned, we met with the staff, and I, I explained, you know, Passion Tide is this solemn period, and and it's that refocusing on the cross. So I said, you know, if, if we've given up or, or we've slacked off on our Lenten practices, you know, if we haven't gone to confession, now's the perfect time to do it. You know, now the, this final preparation. And now's really when we, in earnest, accompany Jesus. You know, these these next, and, and we'll specifically at Palm Sunday leading into Holy Week, into the Triduum, you know, is that that literal journey, you know, entering into Jerusalem with Jesus you know, we sing the Hosanna at the start of, of Palm Sunday, and then we enter into uh, the beauty and the richness that is Holy Week. Um, you know, but you sent me the the homily, the the text of the homily that you gave, and it was completely unintentional, but but really beautiful because, like I like we mentioned earlier, I missed the second half of the game yesterday because we had some friends over who are preparing for their sacraments. Two of them will be receiving communion and confirmation. Three of them will be uh, receiving all three sacraments of initiation. So they're going to be baptized, receive communion, receive their confirmation. So we had them over, you know, just to chat, kind of give them a primer on the sacraments, really, you know, kind of dive a little bit deeper, allow them to ask their questions as, as they continue this journey of They've already done their courses, for those of you who yes. are wondering, okay? <laughs> you know, and, and, and when we started talking about baptism, you know, it was this image, the image of baptism that, you know, we no longer get plunged into the water. Well, some traditions still do it. You know, we, we pour water over the head, but some that is... Tr- some Catholic churches yeah, do it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there's... It's the symbol of, of dying and then rising again. You know, and then when when we got to confession, I, in a, I'm not inadvertently, but I went right back to that same image, you know, where we, we die to ourselves in confession. 
and in being absolved, we are made new. You know, and then I read you the the homily that you gave, and you, it was you read it to them. No, no, no. Okay. I, I read it on my own afterwards, okay. and that's exactly what you mentioned. You know, entering into entering into the confession and dying dying to ourselves, dying to the Lord, and, and through the absolution, through the the grace of that sacrament, you know, emerging a new person, you know, emerging really alive. And and that's what I focused on. What I focused on yesterday at the homily was that, okay, so we have this image of the tomb, the tomb of Lazarus. Okay, Lazarus dies. Jesus, even though Jesus has, this illness would not result in death. And uh, there has to be a trust there. And you see that trust in Martha. And I believe one of our sisters in the Lenten, in, in their Lenten meditations talked about it when and she got sick. You know, she, that, that, uh, that verse, that saying from Jesus really hit home. Mm. This this illness would not end in death, but when ended in death, but not the death that we thought. Right, he said, "Our brother is just asleep." Jesus goes to the tomb. He weeps, sees the unbelief of the people, and and the thing is that there there's the people that are skeptical in the, in this gospel. It's not like in the adversarial relation they had in last week's gospel with the the Pharisees and the scribes when he cleared the man born blind. They're there and they're saying, "See how much he loved him." So some compassion. And then after that, and at the end, you know, some people believe in him. But Jesus goes and is moved. Because here is someone who loved that, okay, not only death, but the illness as well. But Jesus stayed where he is. But when he gets to the tomb, he, he gives thanks to his father. And he wants to do this so that everyone around them can believe and says, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus comes out of that dark tomb after they roll away the stone, and he's bound by the burial cloth, and Jesus untie him and let him go. So the analogy that I made is that the confessional, at least for priests, you know, becomes a tomb mm-hmm. because we're basically stuck there, you know, during uh, during this time, especially during Passion Tide, where we have more confession, more people yep. want to come. We had a ton of confessions this past Saturday. And we're just, we're more than happy to be in there. I mean, we're there, we're talking, you know, we're talking to people, we're, you know, it's a tiny little box. And I called it, this is the tomb of the confessional, what Jorge was saying. There is where your sins go to die. And you walk out like Lazarus, risen to new life. Christ has raised unbound, you. And unbound. And unbound. So... The, the quote is, you know, when Jesus says, untie him, let him go, we are not bound by burial cloths. Instead, we are bound by the very sins that have kept us from hearing the voice of the Master that tells us when we are surrounded by the darkness of sin, come out. Because I remember that there was a, I don't know if it still exists in St. Kieran, it was years ago. I remember that it was my first or second year, it had to be, I think, second or, second or third year of seminary. We would always have our convocation at the beginning of the year at the youth center. And... You know, I'd, I'd go over to St. Karen and they had confessions around that time that we, we had the convocation. I remember that the confessional of St. Karen, you'd walk into the confessional, and when you close the door, it was pitch black. And I'm like, this is cool. Yeah. <laughs> now, it would freak some people out. For me, it was cool because it says, you know what? Darkness is sin. I mean, even I was a 19-year-old seminarian, you know, did not know the difference between theology and heresy, okay? But still, I understood that symbolism that, okay, 
we are in the darkness of sin. Our confessions are right next. Our confessions are right next to windows. So yeah. there's a, it's always unless it's dark out. It's you, and we and we hear confessions on Saturday mornings. Mm-hmm. They're always bright. So that darkness that I would experience in the in the confessional Saint Karen, that always stuck with me, because as soon as you receive the absolution from the priest, you'd open the door and boom, be greeted by this embracing light, and it could imagine Lazarus in the darkness of that tomb. Hearing, you know, the voice of Jesus transcending death, calling out to Lazarus, just like he's calling out to you to emerge from the darkness and the death of sin and to be embraced by the wondrous light and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's why I talked about the tomb of the confessional, in that this is the time to bury your sins because you leave your sins there. You leave the sins with the priest, who is also a tomb in himself, because we have to take those sins to our tomb. We cannot tell anyone else. In fact, I, and I tell people that. I hear, you know, I heard, I must have heard, I don't know, dozens and dozens and dozens of confession. This just this past Saturday morning. And you from one confession next, you forget what was said. You know, and that's also the grace of the Holy Spirit. So the priest isn't going to say, the, the, the sin goes in there and dies in there, and it's left there. It's buried there. We just have to trust. We just have to trust, and 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 I, I put at the beginning and put pride aside. Because no, 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 I don't, I'm not in sin. Mm. I'm not. You know, yearly confession is what the church recommends. You know, even if you don't have a mortal sin, or even you know, you know, just go and receive the grace of the sacrament during this last two weeks of Lent. You know, what, and and that's one of the things that I harped on last night when when I met with my friends is. You know, the sisters go to confession every two weeks. You guys as priests go to confession regularly. The Pope goes to confession regularly. And and our temptation is sometimes to look at the sisters and look at you guys and be like, what, but your sisters, your priests, why do you need confession? But there's something to be said about even for those menial, you know, minor sins, if you, if there is such a thing as a minor sin, you know, to go in and to name it you know, and to reclaim power over that. You know, I said, you know, it's, uh, confession is humiliating and it should be humiliating. You know, we've talked about the good shame that Pope Francis likes uh, likes to reference. Mm-hmm. You know, it should be humiliating to say, "Yes, I I have not lived up to who I am called to be," but that's not gonna that's not gonna have power over me. So we go into that confessional, we name that sin, we we take power over it, you know, and the grace of that sacrament is going to strengthen us you know, to to not continue falling into that sin. You know, to to be better at avoiding what's going to lead us to that sin. You know, so this this idea of constantly going, you know, not just to be cleansed, but but to be empowered. You know, to to be open to the grace of that spirit. You know, to as uh, Matthew Kelly likes to say, to become the best version of ourself. You know, another word for you know to to fulfill our universal call to holiness. You know, because if we're bound by sin, we cannot be holy. You know, so so whether it's a mortal sin or a venial sin or, or and we yeah. are no use to the community. No. That's why we go to confession. That's why we say, I confess to you, my brothers mm-hmm. and sisters. There is, even if it's a private act that no one knows about, oh, I, I, st- I stole some money. No one knows about that. Right. Or I stole, I stole a, a piece of gum when you were a little kid from the, from, from the store. No one knows about it, just me and God. But when you sin, even if it's something extraordinarily private, mm-hmm. it tears you away from the body of Christ. And so I, w- I was using this analogy uh, 
two weeks ago, or actually a week, a week and two days ago, our, our Deacon, Deacon Fletus gave a, a retreat for all the catechumens that we have had over the last 10 years. It, it was, was very well attended. Phenomenal. Now, I, saw the, I saw the picture that, they, sent, that they took at the end. It was amazing. We should post that. We haven't posted that. Anyhow. Um, and the theme was remain in me. It was, it was taken from John 15, the, the, the image of I am the vine, you are the branches. And I, the, the analogy I made is that when we go to confession, it's like, you know, it's like right, we're torn away from the branch. We, we're cut off when we sin. We cut ourselves, we ourselves cut us off from the branch, which is stupid. Because it's like, I'm going to take my hand and I'm going to cut it off from, my, from, my, from the rest of my body. It's dumb. Yep. That's how sin is. <laughs> the re, and I, and I'm, not, I'm not being original here. This is something that I remember an old theology professor of ours in seminary used to say, gentlemen, when it, when it all boils down to it, think about it this way. Sin is stupid. Because why would you tear yourself away from someone who loves you so much? So going back to the vine and the branches, I say, okay, we cut ourselves off from the vine. We cut ourselves off from the vine grower. But confession allows us to, I don't know what the appropriate you know, agricultural term would be. To get grafted back. Actually, exactly what I said. <laughs> we get grafted back. And it's kind of like, you know, when we were little kids, you know, you, you play with a lizard and you cut off its tail because you know the tail's going to grow back. <laughs> yeah, that's what we did. I'm sorry. You, I didn't, didn't, you didn't tie him to bottle rockets? No, and... no, 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 no. <laughs> I, read, I read somewhere, I can't remember the book that I read. Here's a tangent. Go ahead. Uh, that, that they would tie... That they, wasn't would, me. they would tie lizards to a bottle rocket. and No, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> which is awful, but anyway. No, but, okay. but cutting it, it's still bad. <laughs> but the lizard's tail will go back. So when you go to confession, we really went off a crazy tangent there. <laughs> Very morbid one at that. Uh, when you go to confession, you're grafted back into the vine and stronger at that. And we have to believe in the grace of the sacrament. That when the, the, the today's gospel, when the in, in Monday's gospel, when Jesus tells the daughter woman, go and sin no more, we sometimes hear from, from priests. We have to believe that we will go out and sin no more. Now, yes, we know that we probably will. But during this Lent, can we just say, you know, Lord, I know I can't do this myself. The only one who could stop me from sinning anymore is you. That's why I need your grace. And that's why I need to open myself up to that grace. And open myself up to the grace you give me in the sacrament. And I wrote... Take it from a frequent penitent. Take courage and great humility to kneel down before a priest who himself is a sinner and ask for forgiveness. That is what makes the sacrament so unique and what makes it, I said it earlier this Lent, the simplest of the sacraments. Mm -hmm. Because you go in there, we quiver when we have to look inside our hearts and see all the times we fail the Lord. And we sometimes may go to confession and try to hide the things that we are, that we are, that are really tying us down as if we could hide from God who sees everything. And I, I recall the quote, uh, if you remember Peter Cameron, Father Peter Cameron, who was the editor-in-chief of, of Magnifica for so many years, he gave us a talk, um, I want to say, he, he actually gave us a retreat, the Priest of the Diocese, I want to say in 2010, and he was magnificent. And on, on the Wednesday of the retreat, we, we went to confession, and he gave us a talk on confession. And he said, Brothers, if there is something so dark that you cannot possibly utter, then my friends, that is what you need to confess. That's what you need to say out loud. And the thing is that Satan doesn't want you to say that. Because once you say it, and there's something 
empowering about naming your sins and saying, Father, I've cheated on my wife. Father, I've stolen from my company hundreds and thousands of dollars. By the way, I'm, I'm making these up. I, these are not things I've heard in confession. Okay, anywhere remote. <laughs> but it's those things that we don't want to say out loud because we're so ashamed that the evil one does not want to say, want us to say because when we do say it, it empowers us and it frees us from them. And that's why Satan doesn't want to say it. And I said this in my homily last week. You weren't here for that either. But it bears repeating, and I don't think I said it on the podcast, that this Dominican quoted St. Dominic saying, when you do that, it's take Satan's mouth, and I apologize for the graphic image I'm about to say, take Satan's mouth and, and take that excrement, that sin, and just basically throw it down his mouth. Okay, I am really, he didn't get into, he didn't, he didn't say any bad words. I'm trying to remember the exact <laughs> you word. Kept, you kept it pretty clean there. I kept it pretty clean, but, and, but the way that he said it. But, you know, no, our, what he our said, listeners what, have imagined. Good no, imagining. what I'm saying is, no, what he said was basically open up his, Satan's mouth and defecate your sins into his mouth. That's pretty powerful. Yep. Because that's what sin is. It's excrement. And so we need to get that excrement out of our hearts to be able to live in the freedom of God's children. Yeah, and it bears repeating what you mentioned, that there is a communal aspect to this. Yeah, and again, it, to, it's just so fresh. that, and, and it was fascinating to sit with these people who are, who are so thirsty for the sacraments and, and you know, hungry for more, and they really want to dive deep. And so it was just questions and natural questions that everyone has. And, and it was unique to sit with them you know, as catechumens, you know, preparing for the sacraments, but relevant questions that every single one of us asks. You know, and it's this communal aspect of, of, of sin and confession that it's not just for me. You know, it's not just a, a, a private good. It's not just something that's going to do me well, but it's going to do. It's going to have benefits for the entire community. You know, and I explained to them, you know, in the early church. We would have to kneel in front of the church and, and proclaim our sins out loud. That'd be fun for the entire community to hear. No, no it wouldn't, because the priest would have to go first. <laughs> you know, and and there was a public dimension. So, so yes, now we have the the uh, the luxury of a private confession, but the grace of the sacrament, the good of the sacrament, it's not just personally empowering and and you know something that's good for me. But as I emerge from that confessional a changed person, a different person, hopefully a stronger person. Yeah, that's going to that's gonna have a benefit for me. That's going to have a benefit for my family. Ultimately, that's going to have a benefit for the community to which I belong. Because if, if I am living out my call to be St. George, that's not just a, something that I'm going to benefit from. It's something that everyone who's around me is going to benefit from. You know, if, if every single one of our, and we've mentioned this so many times, you know, if every single one of our parishioners was the best version of themselves, you know, how different would this community look? You know, how different would our service to the community look? How different would our masses look? How different would our Eucharistic adorations look? You know, how different would every single aspect of our parish life look? And not just of our parish life, but of you know, our, our society. 
you know, how different would that look? And that's what confession does for us. You know, we end, and there's something to be said about going into the confessional. You know, we've got three confessionals, and and uh, you know, when our kids go to first penance, I love watching them go into the confessional. You know, They're we, so we, confused. We have the face to face, which you know, it's it's still you still get that that I element. I had my first confession face to face. Um, you know, in, in the chairs, but there's something about them going into the confessional, you know, and they go in and. You know, they're a little nervous and they're scared and they don't know which, you know, am I pulling this door open? And, and you know, there's just this weight on top of them. And then the door opens and they come bounding out. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and they're literally just like light as air. You know, it smiles on their face and, and they're so eager to come up and put their sheep in the sanctuary. And it's such a drastic change in those 30 seconds, you know, in that one minute that they're in, in the confessional, how they go in and how they come out. And it's such a, a vivid image for me because we don't see that necessarily with adults, but it's happening. I don't know. I'm in the confession. Yeah. <laughs> I see them when they come out. So, you know, but I but I would hope. I mean, I know that you know, like for example, <laughs> last week I kind of uh, I, I kind of ambushed uh, one of our priests. You know, our in resident priest when we were hearing confession for the school, we had a break between the, the classes coming in, and I had to go to confession. So I, I think maybe. Once or twice, I've I've used the confessional. Usually, I just grab a priest. Yeah. We sit down and we go to confession. I go to confession, and yes, you walk out. You know, there there is something of walking out of that confessional mm-hmm. that you should feel lighter than air. That you feel should feel like Lazarus. With wow, I thought I was dead. Mm-hmm. I thought I was. You know, when I was ill, I knew I was going to die, yep. and now I have this new life ahead of me. Now Lazarus does die again, but and is now part of what Je- you know Jesus said yes I am the resurrection and life where believes in me will never die so but there Lazarus comes out ma- imagine what he must have been thinking boy i was dead now i'm alive mm-hmm. and in fact the jews if you read further on in the gospel of saint john the, the the pharisees and scribes are now trying to kill lazarus because everybody's believing more in jesus because of lazarus oh no he didn't die he's still dead look at him he's still dead we killed him or actually he died mm-hmm. so we come out like Lazarus, we were dead, and now we're alive. You know that that same phrasing is what I'm giving my talk about. You know, it's shameless plug tonight on, on the Prodigal Son. It's not the same one I gave last year. I could give, I don't know, a million different talks on the Prodigal Son. I have, I, I looked it up last night. I I typed in Prodigal Son oh, into my computer. So many elements to that. Yeah, I, that's I, like I, this this weekend's gospel. It, there's so many. There's twenty different homilies. In but the, I I typed in Prodigal Son into my computer yesterday. And I don't know how many different homilies came out. And things that had nothing to do with the prodigal son. But that imagery of, you know, he was dead and now alive, that's what the father said to the elder son. This son of mine was dead and is now alive. He was lost and now is found. So equate the prodigal son to Lazarus. The prodigal son went into the darkness of the distant country. And this is not what I'm saying tonight. And came and realize in the distant country, wait, I have a father. Yep. But some, but see, Lazarus didn't have that benefit. Lazarus was dead. But you could say that that prodigal son was just as dead, because not only what, not only was he living a life of dissipation, as his older brother said, but he was he had forgotten that he had a father who loved him. He had forgotten who he was. 
And that's why, why is The Lion King my favorite Disney animated feature? Because that is the prodigal son. When Mufasa appears to Simba, an adult Simba, he says, remember who you are. You have, forgot, you have forgotten who you are. Such a great you have scene. forgotten that you are the son of a king. My friends, you are the sons and daughters of a king. We need the music to swell up right now. Okay? <laughs> you know, we, we, we have so many, so many things that we do that make us forget. Because that, you know, I remember that, uh, I'm speaking of so many priests that I, that I know and love, but there was a priest that when he would go down, uh, he passed away recently, he would go down to missions in Mexico. And obviously, you're preaching to very, very simple people. And the main, the main question, and, the, and the, actually the main point that he would point out to them was, you are the sons and daughters of a God who has made you in his image and likeness. And we forget that. We forget that we are sons and daughters of a king that we need to uh, be reminded like Mufasa reminded Simba remember, remember who you are okay this is this is so here, here it is <laughs> Hans Zimmer this is one of his opuses it's, oh. it's it's just amazing I remember this is I was in seven when this came out and I, I need to pause it 30 seconds so Disney doesn't <laughs> sue us for copyright infringement you know, it's it's remember. Hans Zimmer, I don't think he, I know he's done great greater movies, but I can't think of a better score that he's done. All right, yeah, twenty nine seconds. But the the name, you know, we we said there's a power of going into the confessional and naming your sin. But even our name. Ah. You know, it's a it's a beautiful practice, you know, to take a take a work a, a piece of scripture and plug your name into it. You know, so as as we enter into this Passion tide these next two weeks, you know, and and most especially as we enter into the Triduum next week, you know, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Sat, the silence of Holy Saturday, which we'll we'll speak on next week, you know, Lazarus come out, you know, plug your name into that, you know, and and hear the voice of God saying to to each of you, you know, Jorge come out, Manny come out, you know, plug your name into that, and and. You know, close your eyes and really meditate on that on that scripture. You know, as you as you do an examination of conscience, as you go to confession, as you sit in a quiet church on Holy Saturday. You know, with with you know, that joyful expectation of what's of what's happening that night or what's happening the next day when you come to to Mass on Easter Sunday. But plug yourself into that story, you know, and and hear the voice of God saying to you, "Come out by call to call you by name," you know. That he knows your name, and when you, and when you sit before the examination of conscience, prepare yourself. Just like you know, Jorge was finishing the preparation of the of these young people who are going to receive the sacraments uh, during this Easter season. You know, prepare yourself for the sacraments. Sometimes you you know, and and listen, I'm the first one because I I saw the the confession open last Wednesday, you know, and I popped in there and I'm like I'm trying to remember on the fly. Mm. Okay, so maybe it wasn't the best confession. I mean, at least I went to it, got got the big ones out, got the, the little ones out. I'm good, but I'm I, I afterwards I go, oh, I forgot to say this, I forgot to say that. So, uh, sit there with the examination of conscience, write it out. You know, 
write write it out. It doesn't matter. Uh, we, you know, if you come into the confessional, and and you have you know a piece your of notes. paper there, and you have your notes, it goes, "Bless me, Father, for I've sinned." It's been six months since I these are my sins. And you go down, trust me, the priest knows when you're reading <laughs> off a paper, even if it's even if the curtain is drawn. You know That's okay. And that's fine. And then you get to burn the paper after and it's a double satisfaction. Exactly. And so you go down and you say because that way it, it takes a little pressure off. You go, Oh, I, I may forget this. And you say, Okay, Father, I, I've done this, I've done this. You don't need to explain yourself. You know. What can I guess I, I preached about this earlier in, in Lent, maybe not in this podcast, probably during a homily. You don't need to explain yourself. You just say, Father, I did this. Father, I did that. Okay. Reminder if you were sick and you missed Mass, not a sin. Okay. I know people like to confess it just to, you know, just to, just in case, just in case, <laughs> not a sin. Okay. During COVID, Father, you know, I had COVID. I couldn't. It happened to me too. Thing is that I have the benefit that I have a priest and I can yeah. celebrate mass privately. But you know, not a sin. So take the examination, examination of conscience. Pray over it. Look through it. Look through it again, two, three times, and and just say, okay, how have I offended the Lord? How have I offended my brother? Because sometimes we forget about our brother and sister, and that's where today's gospel, Monday's gospel, is all about. Because you have all these scribes and Pharisees wanting to shame this woman caught in adultery and kill her, not because they cared about that she was committing an order, not because they wanted to follow the law of Moses so strictly. You know, they wanted to test Jesus to be able to kill him. But there is judgment there. But when you go before the priest and when you go before the Lord in confession, there's judgment in the in the case of Okay, you've committed sin, here's your penance. But there's no shame. Look at those last words, that last encounter between Jesus and the adulterous woman. And I made this distinction to Mass because the first reading is that long reading from the book of Daniel of Susanna, who was innocent, and, and these two old men who wanted to commit adultery with her, and she wouldn't let, her, let, let it happen. Talk about a PG-13 reading for Mass. <laughs> uh, you know, they wouldn't let her. And so the last phrase of that God, last verse of that gospel was, thus innocent blood was spared that day because Daniel was able to get the lie out of the old men. And they were killed, but Susanna wasn't. But I made this distinction. It goes, see, innocent blood was spared in the first reading, but guilty blood was spared in the sec- in the gospel because the adulterous woman was not innocent because Jesus says, sin no more. So if Jesus does that for the innocent and the guilty. Imagine how beautiful the mercy of God is. So take that examination of conscience. Pray with it. This Saturday, we're adding an extra hour to confession. We're having more priests come. Go to confession. We're there till 11 o'clock. Next Wednesday, I have, by my last count, at least eight priests starting at 7. We put a question mark as to when it ends. because We don't leave the church until the last penitent or you know, shows up. I said yesterday, don't show up at ten because sometimes if there's eight priests, mm. we may be we may be done by nine. That's what happened last year. We were done at nine thirty, but come around. You know, if, if you don't want to get there at seven because too much line, well, come around eight. Trust me, we'll be there at eight. All right, but make sure. And we made we said okay. Well, Father, what about Holy Saturday? He goes okay. We want to do this because we want to enter into the tritium and start Holy Thursday. Everyone yep. clean. 
And besides Holy Saturday, it's only supposed to be done in case of pastoral necessity. If we just, eight priests just heard hours and hours of confession, all of Lent, and then, you know, on Holy Wednesday, there is no pastoral necessity. That's if only, you know, a church doesn't have be, haven't had the opportunity right. to go to confession. So that's besides the point. But go to confession during this Passion Tide so that you may be able to receive the freedom that the adulterous woman received in Monday's Gospel and the freedom that Lazarus received in Sunday's Gospel of hearing the words of Jesus, telling him and telling you, come out of the tomb and live in the freedom of a sinless life. There you are. I'm doing karaoke. Seriously, <laughs> there we go. I'm doing karaoke because I can't hear Luther Vandross in my headset. Oh my goodness! Hopefully, on Monday night of next week, we're hearing this song as the Canes are cutting Ooh-wee. down the nets in Houston. The Canes are going to the final, final four. four. The Canes are going to the final four. Can you believe it? I can't believe we don't have Father Andrew and Ashley in here right now. We should go going crazy. They, oh my goodness, they they had Father Andrew. Okay, at the beginning of this tournament, had no belief in these Canes. Well, they've been they've been Jekyll and Hyde yeah, exactly. all season. And then after the first weekend, he stood in that chair over there and said, "Nope, they're going to the Final Four. I'm like, "Come on, dude! <laughs> yeah, I find all right." He went. He's the only one in this building that has a degree from UM. And as she was lying, and I were like, "Okay, you know," because we were starting to believe. Okay, the, yep. you know, you have to get through. Uh, you know, we we, we have to, we have to get through. You know, uh, Houston and Texas. Mm-hmm. It was Texas or, or Xavier. Yeah. Well, that's that's been the most fat with all the upsets. Exactly, this tournament we had, we, we didn't we get it easy. Still had to play UConn, yep. which I, who I think is playing the best yep. basketball of anyone in this tournament. They're yep. blowing people out by twenty points, but they did a Gonzaga. Your boys, I don't trust them. <laughs> still <laughs> don't trust your boys. I cannot trust Gonzaga. Nope. I mean, nice Catholic school, all great, but nope, you can't trust them. But my goodness. I, I, I had mass, like I said in the beginning of the podcast, at the first half, uh, Father Andrew comes up to me after, after, I, after, as I walked out of mass, after I walked out of the church, I looked at my watch, I did not, during the entire mass, you know, as uh, the God, I swear, <laughs> on the graves of my grandchildren, <laughs> on the souls of my grandchildren, I did not do this, all right? I looked at, I, I pressed the SPN app, and I saw we were down by 12, I'm like, oh, man. And it looked, I don't know why it looked a lot bigger to me. Oh. I go, oh, we had a good run. And Andrew's, and Father Andrew's like, nah, it's over. And well, I had, that's, that's, we, we, again, I, we had our friends over <clears throat> last night. We watched the first half. Um, second half started. We were down 13. So I was like, all right, we should go eat dinner. So we turned it off and we were down 13. And, and I had the same, like, yeah, it was a good run. No, I was like, we, it was 12 minutes left. And I, uh, Canes have done this before. They've they've come back. But see, we were down thirteen. Yeah. But like we weren't chipping away. We would. It would. It's happened against Drake. It would be 11, was, 12, was like, 13, but was, 11, but it 13. But Drake. That's a twelve seed. Yeah. And Houston looked and, good. And, and we didn't. And, and I mean, I'm, uh, Texas. Texas looked, looked very good. good. Yeah. I haven't seen the entire game yet. I thought I recorded, but I didn't. But whatever. I don't, I don't know. I'm gonna have time to see it if I if I did record it. But what a great. I mean, what a great story. But and, when, when I pulled out my phone after dinner, after everyone had left, and I go. Wait, what? 
Yep, you missed it. And, Hopefully, and it was a big win. It I, was it was not a buzzer beater. It was not a buzzer beater. We, we, beat them by it eight. Was a, it was around. Uh, it was close. It was just a foul game. It was around thirty seconds to go. That I was with Carly. I went with a call to Sports Grill nice. over there in Kendall, and, and we saw the game there. And it was a lot of UM fans who were doing defense and let's nice. go Canes. And we were doing. It's great to be a Miami Hurricane. Nice. And it was just and and Ceci got a picture of me just put putting with my head with my. Um, it was uh, literally the same expression. After one of the Duke bench players, after the Christian Leitner uh, heave to beat Kentucky in the '92 uh, regional finals, that they they sh- they they pan. I want to say it was uh, Tyreek, uh, not Tyreek Hill. Uh, Tyreek Hills are, <laughs> but his na- his last name was there was two hills on that team. It was one of the hills. It wasn't Grant, uh, but had his head on his on his on his he- hands on his head like I'm doing right now, and was like I can't believe we made the Final Four, because for so many years, you know, I've like there was a time there for a good 10 years that the final four would be on a Monday mm-hmm. and opening day for baseball would be on the fa- the next day. And I would always come down from whatever parish I was. I would right. spend the night with my dad. We'd watch the national championship game. It's like, I would watch a good basketball right. game with no illusions that the Canes would ever even make Whatever. it that far. Not- for our goal was always just make the tournament. Yep. And when we made the tournament for the first time in 92, we were trounced by Penn State. And here's a team, and so my dad and I would would watch this without any illusions. Nope. And I would my bracket would probably be Canes in next year, you know, which was like a pipe dream. But the pipe dream is here, a team that in 1985 was brought back into existence. And do you remember where they played their basketball when they were? Well, brought- I, I I saw you tweeted it yeah. out. So James, so I got L- the I got the cheat code. But did you know that? <laughs> I did not. You did not know that because you were baby. Bill Frost was our head coach. Okay, and. Carly, I asked him that. He did go to a game in the James. I did oh, not. Wow. After that, we played in the Miami Arena with Leonard Hamilton. We won a regular season national cha- uh, yep. regular season championship of the of the Big East in that arena. Tim Salmons was on that team. Great team. And Leonard Hamilton, he plays for you know he, he left us to go because Michael Jordan lured him to go to the Wizards yep. to coach him. And uh, now is his FSU. But we owe a lot to Leonard Hamilton. But talk to me about Big, uh, Coach Shell. Oh. Did he dance? I haven't seen his dance. No, you know what? I oh, CBS and your dedic- <laughs> CBS stubborn dedication to cut to sixty minutes on a Sunday night because the first game San Diego State and Creighton, you know, there was it was it finished half an hour before the UM game, so it was an hour before Masters. So I'm there watching the you know uh, San Diego State cut down the nets and Charles Barkley talking and and and, yep. and, the, and, the, and the studios cast talking and previewing the next game and talking about what a great thing San Diego State's done. So I'm like, okay. When we're done, we'll be able to watch. No, they cut to 60 minutes like, bam, right away. I'm wow. like, come on, man. Let me watch him. Much his, his, let me uh, watch my team cut down the nets. His Elite Eight dance was was good. And so his Final Four dance I, must they, be. No, they haven't, they haven't shown any dances. Uh, I mean, because usually everything was done outside. Right. So they showed him cutting down right. the nets and the confetti, you know, bucket of confetti on him when he nice. got the regional uh, finals trophy. Nice. Uh, so we have a trophy. But we final want another one. Four. We're in the Final Four. Final Four, four which crazy. is like. You got so we got a UM, four, a four, a five, a five, and a nine. Yep, if I recall correctly, Florida Atlantic, who history will record, made the final four before we did by twenty four <laughs> hours. Okay, but Florida Atlantic, San Diego State, and San Diego State, go Aztecs. But you, they, you had them as a sleeper on, when we did I the did. preview. Mm-hmm. I did. I don't know why. Just, just eh, why not? Because they, 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 that program was started or really started coming up 
with uh, Steve Fisher, who was a coach of Glenn Rice's. Uh, Actually, you mentioned both San Diego State and FAU in the in the, not to go this far, Dang. but you said you know they were good teams. You're giving me props. Yeah. Wow. Okay. You know. this, this is new. Um, <laughs> no, he does. He, he affirms me. But uh, but we got but we got you talk about needing to recede this. Uh, CBS would love to have because Miami UConn for the national championship. Yeah. UConn looks good. I mean, I said I don't know how we're going to be Houston, but we did. I don't know how we're going to be Texas, but we yeah. did. I really don't know how we're going to be UConn because UConn laid waste to Gonzaga. UConn laid waste to yep. everybody, and that was a team that Jay Billish was Billish was bullish on in all the preview shows that I saw. Who UConn? UConn. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan, uh, not Danny Ferry. Uh, uh, his brother is one that that co- that coaches the team, and um, it, it, Danny Ferry was was a point guard for the great Duke teams of the early of the early nineties of the Christian Leitner and Grand Hill, but. Uh, they're just so well coached. Uh, they're just so well coached that it, it, it boggles. And it is Danny Hurley. I'm sorry. It is Danny Hurley, but just doesn't have any hair. That's why I don't. But I, hey, anything can happen. Anything can happen. And Listen, as we've seen over these last three, two weeks. You want a little piece of trivia here? Okay, Final Four. Uh, the 1991 UNLV had not lost a game. This is the Larry Johnson UNLV team, the running Rebs. I mean, this was right before. This is right before U- University of Michigan, the Fab Five, came to life. Yeah. And they ran shot through the regular season and through that tournament. And they were playing Duke, which was ascending, but was not quite there yet, in the 1991 Final Four in the National Semifinal. Now, the bit, bit of trivia is this. The first time I ever got news off the internet, 1991. This, you were too young for this. Do you remember Prodigy? No. Okay, you don't remember Prodigy. Prodigy was like this. I was six. Okay, so I'm just saying. It, it was just like this. <laughs> give you some little tidbits, like scores. I don't know if it had email. I don't think it had email. Email, I don't remember if it had email, but I remember that I that we came home from the Easter vigil because it was usually the final four falls on the, during the tritium. Oh, wow. Okay, this year falls on the night before Palm Sunday. And I have mass Saturday at five, but game's not until later. So uh, I log into Prodigy to get the score of the game. I didn't Because back then you had to wait until the newscast, local newscast, right. to get the scores of the game. I logged into Prodigy, and I see that Duke had beaten UNLV by a point. Oh, wow. And I'm like, that did not just happen. First time I ever got news off the internet. It's 1991. There you go. And it was, I was, wow. So you're saying anything can happen. And we are by no means, the the, the chasm between us mm. and, and, and UConn is not the same as no one gave Duke a chance against that UNLV team. Yep. That UNLV team was stacked. And Duke won the first of two national championships back to back, so anything can happen. It's the final four. Can't wait. And props to the ladies. I mean, they ran into. Yep. I mean, you, I saw that game, and they couldn't do anything against that LSU team. Couldn't do anything. The defense was. They couldn't get anything off. And and but they had such a great run and beat Indiana and beat such great teams. Your women's women's basketball team and and props to them. I wish they would have gone to the final four so we could get you know. Because now they're going to be overshadowed by the men, but yep. props to Coach Meyer and and their girl and those girls over there. So yeah, Final Four. <sighs> you getting merch? We got to go, go to Caneswear and get some merch. Uh, you you get the merch? I don't. You, you don't care? Yeah. It's Final Four. I know, but it's like going to the Rose Bowl. The equivalent. We have gone. <laughs> we have won That's two like getting... regular season ACC championships. 
We are going to the Final Four since we made the ACC, and the Canes have not been to the playoff or won the ACC football once. Yep. Once. I'll get merch if we win the whole thing. Okay. But I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, we'll see. But if you want to buy me a shirt, I'll, I'll accept that. Oh, of course. <laughs> this is him's way of saying, Father, I just, just compliment you. You get me a shirt. Ash, I think, has a connection, so we'll, we'll talk about nice. that. Uh, put that's a, it. There's nothing else to talk about, right? No. We, we had to put a bow on the World Baseball Classic. How was oh, that? Oh, wow. Wasn't well, that amazing? I was there. You were there. I was there. I was, I was like at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I go, Father, you want to go? Yeah. And in my mind, was, I was. It was bittersweet, though. It was. It but was it, bittersweet because it it showed what this town can, yes, can look like, and yes, there were. I'm, I've heard it all. Right, a lot of those people flew in from out of town for the, no, but no, this there was local. It that, the Japanese people. You could you, you there was a good Japanese. There could have been people that flew in from Tokyo. You put and you know, it doesn't fine. have to be a team of of superstars, but you put a winning product on the field and people will show up. Yeah, but I bought a World Baseball Classic souvenir. I, I see the computer. that. I see that right there. We're you keep, know, we keep so to so the it was bittersweet because like to see, and you were there, so you could speak more on on the atmosphere there. But but to amazing. see Lone Depot Park, stupid name, ninth inning, everybody on their st- uh, standing up, knowing what was going to happen, that at some point, Shoyatani had to face yep. his teammate from the Angels, Mike Trout, and the two and for, best, it to, for it to come with two outs in the in the three two count. Yep. And we knew it was going to happen. The two best baseball players in the world argue with me that those are not the two best baseball Absolutely. players in the world. Absolutely. They are. By a long shot. And Shoei Otani may, you know, if his price tag was. I think the only thing that could top that is Otani pitching to Otani. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which would be, wow. But if if his price tag was a certain number before the World Baseball Classic, it just, oh, just jumped doubled. $100 yep. million. So if, if, if Aaron Judge, according to reports, before he eventually signed back with the Yankees, San Diego came with a crazy offer to pay him $420 million, which, by the way, is more or less what Mike Trout makes over 12 years. If they offer that to Aaron Judge, what is Otani, who is a unicorn, who is, I coined the term, six-tool player? Yep. Because not only can he bat, run, field, throw, and hit for power, he can also pitch. pitch and, and pitch well. And pitch very well. 100 miles an hour to his teammate. So, yes. Crazy. I mean, I was there watching all that. I saw Otani because I was sitting above the dugout and and, and bull, bullpen, excuse me, where your old seats used yeah. to be, and going back and forth. And I'm like, wow, this guy's actually going to pitch in this game. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Oh my god, it's happening. It's happening. Yeah, that's that's what <laughs> the, the Michael Scott line. But it was that that stadium. I didn't go to the any other games. I mean, if it would have been Dominican Republic or Puerto Rico, probably would have been more electric. And I and I how can't loud imagine was it? how loud it was, was loud it? when. When Schwarber hit that home run to cut it to one, that place got very loud. I saw the I saw the video of the Japan walk off in the that semifinal. Was, yeah, that they I wasn't there. They but. did center field cam with just the audio, so no, just the, the yeah. stadium audio, mm-hmm. and that was crazy. No, I, and you want to say how how many times did we see uh, Giancarlo Stan hit a home run in that park? A lot. Uh, I forget the name of the player. The player that because t- Trey Turner, my goodness, hit it near my section. I, right before we just and he I was mean, there for the taking. Yeah, he was there for the taking. We, you know, we couldn't. I'm sorry, Bruce Sherman. You couldn't spend 300 million dollars to get a shortstop. <laughs> I'm just saying. We, we, you know, we 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 signed every other infielder <laughs> in the net in the majors. You know, so anyhow, so Trey Turner hits a home run. We're up one nothing at the bottom of that inning. I saw the fastest home run in that ballpark. I forgot the name of the player. He was batting two or three spots behind 
Otani or two spots behind Otani. That ball, it was the same. He hit in the same place that Schwarber hit it later in the game. Mm. Justin Board territory up there, the upper deck of right field that nobody hits yep. to. And that ball left there at 115.2 miles an hour. Wow. And in my eyes, I'm watching that go from the, I'm sitting in left field. Did the I guy see on it. the other end survive? I don't know what happened to the guy in the stands. <laughs> I, he didn't keel over onto the field, but it left the park in a hurry. Ouch. And and just the electricity, Japan fans made noise, but just the electricity during the ninth inning. Yep. It was just amazing. And um, But yeah, it was just amazing. Opening day is this Thursday. Otani uh, uh, you know, will pitch at some point, but Alcantara Scherzer, and Scherzer. Scherzer and Alcantara. Sandy. Four Cy Youngs between them. Amazing. We'll be there. I told Jorge when I left the stadium on last Tuesday, I go, this will feel like a spring training game yeah. compared to to what I just experienced at the World Baseball, Cl- Baseball Classic yeah. final. And that might be our best uh, crowd of the year. Of the, oh. year so. the Yankees. Oh. The Yankees True. come to town. Uh, but let, let's just take it in. It's opening day. We're watching baseball. And with all its foibles, and, and, and by the way, there was no pitch clock. Yeah. I didn't even notice. I could see where the pitch are already set up behind them. They're by the dugouts on each mm. side. Where yeah, the, it's the, off the view of the camera. So it's off the view of the camera, yeah. but we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes, but you, there was no need for a pitch. I didn't, I didn't feel like that game lasted three hours, and there was no pitch clock during the... Somebody made the point the other day that if, if there was a pitch clock in that matchup between Otani and Trout... Oh, there would you, have been so many automatic strikes no, no, or no, automatic but, balls. But not only that, you wouldn't have allowed that moment to yeah, breathe. Yeah, right. And to build tension yep. and to build drama. And so do you say, okay, do you eliminate it in the ninth inning? Because it's gonna be there for the postseason. And the commission has come out to say, uh, it's not set in stone, they could still tweak it. And they did tweak a couple of things last right. week. By the way, the commissioner came out to commissioner came out to give the medals to the players. There was one idiot in the stands who was booing him. <laughs> Only one. And I was surprised. Well, I was gonna say, was it you? It was me. <laughs> I'm like, get somebody who actually loves baseball. But, and I, I'm also, I tweeted this, and I also, I'm the only one who noticed this, and who made mention this in anything. I thought the reporters would be all over this, that Mike Trout, because it was the commissioner had medals, and Tony Clark had medals, mm-hmm. and even if Tony Clark gave you a medal, who was the head of the NBLPA, MLBPA, they would go shake hands with the commissioner. Mike Trout went straight to Tony Clark and completely ignored the oh, commissioner. Wow. Who is the face of your game? Wow, just saying. Uh, everything is not great in, in the state of uh, baseball, but we'll see. It'll we'll be out of there fast. We will. We we, we don't know. Well, I'm they, curious. I'm I am I'm really well, I'm yesterday's really curious. the last spring training game yesterday. Two hours and six minutes. Six minutes. Yeah, that's, and it was a tie. Whew. So they went the full inning, full that's, nine. That's a sprint. But it's also the last day of spring training. Everybody wants to get out of there. Oh, they're sw- yeah, they're sure. swinging at the first pitch. Yeah. They all want to get out of there. <laughs> By the way, there's a inter-squad scrimmage today that if you were Marlins member, Ooh. you can go see it today. Eesh. Thursday. I'm looking forward to Thursday. It's always be, good. I mean, it's opening day. The flag is still hanging behind you. For yeah. now. For now. <laughs> <laughs> so Yuli Gurriel, does he start on opening day? He's on the team. He's on the 26-man r- roster. I think he starts. Put Gary Cooper at DH. I just think we need to sign another infielder. Do you continue? How long? How long? Because usually, right now, Jorge and I would be able to speak intelligently and we'd give you an MLB preview, but we're running late. Or, you know, he has to go. He has to go. I have to go, but we're running late. 
but usually I would I could tell you, Jorge, I really like Seattle, which by the way I do. Julio Rodriguez is in, yep. and they made the playoffs last yep. year. Uh, I don't think maybe Otani is inspired and inspires his team and and drags the Angels to the playoffs. Because usually I I in the old days I could tell you these are the teams. Season. Yeah, these are the teams who I think yep. will make it. The Mets will not make it because they will Mets again. Phillies had a big loss last week with Rice Hoskins going down, mm-hmm. but Trey Turner, I think the Phillies take the East outright. Really? They were the, they were the wild card last year, remember? And they made uh, it all the, the way Bra- to the, the Braves are always dangerous. <sighs> I don't know. That's a that's a well run team too. It is a well run team. The Marlins will not be in last place because thankfully the Nats are down there. But the Nats will give us a run for our money yeah. for the basement. <laughs> I mean, as you, usual, you know what? Let, can we look at the the Marlins and look at the positives? We have a, a plethora s- of infielders. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Be serious here. Come on. We have good starting pitching. Phenomenal starting pitching. Okay, but let's look at. All right, let's say we we solidified the bullpen. Yes, we did. I have no idea who our closer is. No idea. But let's say that Gene Segura coming off a World Series appearance has a spring that he had, which he had a decent spring. Let's say Yuli Gurriel goes back to World Series form because he had a bad regular season last year and uh, played well in the postseason and won a world title with, with, the, uh, with the Astros. So, But you, what you were saying yesterday is true. We're gonna live or die with Avi Garcia mm-hmm. and and Jorge Soler, and that's that's where it's gonna be. So predictions for the World Series: Yankees take the East because really, I mean, the Orioles are gonna surge, Boston's gonna surge, all that. Yeah. Uh, I have no idea about the Central. I, the White Sox look good to me over there. Houston in the West. In the NL East, I already said the Phillies. Uh, in the Central, I mean, NL Central is just like blah. Milwaukee had a Chicago, the Cubs, I, I, I really can't get a pick there. And the Dodgers will take the West. But I, I, I like I like Philly going back to the World Series and winning it outright against Oof. In the AL. How do you pick against the Astros? They're always there. Yankees and Phillies in the World Series. There you go. I'm going all Homer here. I'm going all Homer. Anyways, folks. Uh, there's so much we could have talked about in sports. Uh, I didn't have a motor uh, uh, tidbit for for Carly. We had like three of them last week, so sorry. Uh, you know, uh, Burns won the the world uh, golf class uh, world G- golf championship <laughs> match play yesterday. Actually, I spent a lot of time watching that yesterday nice. afternoon. It was fun. Nice golf course in Austin too. Uh, spend time before the examination of conscience. Go to confession. Come out of the tomb during this passion tide. Because that's where Christ wants us to be. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.